I'm Roman Mars, host of 99% Invisible. I'm excited to be teaming up with Lexus GX and SiriusXM on some very special 99PI episodes. We're heading to some of the cities in the U.S. that have special meaning for me and exploring the ways that these cities marry form and function. To learn more about the Lexus GX and SiriusXM and Lexus vehicles, visit Lexus.com slash GX and SiriusXM.com slash Lexus trial. The all-new Lexus GX. Live up to it. Check out the 99% Invisible feed now and listen to these special episodes. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Yesterday at Smirconish.com, the survey question was as follows. Did the United States win or lose the war in Afghanistan? There were 5,769 votes cast, 14.75%. Let's call it 15% said win. And all the others said lose. Why was I talking about this yesterday? You're thinking, oh, well, because President Biden addressed the subject, even got a little testy yesterday when questioned by the media on such subjects as whether we'd won or lost. No, I I candidly I didn't know. Maybe I should have known. I did not know that yesterday he was going to make remarks about this subject. What drew me to it? was not only the withdrawal recently that got so much attention, but in particular, Dr. Carter Malkazian was a guest here yesterday. He's the author of The American War in Afghanistan, A History. And you're wondering, okay, who's he and what are his credentials? He served as civilian advisor in Iraq and Afghanistan, was a senior advisor to General Joseph Dunford, the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, from 2015 to 2019, and in Politico magazine, there was an excerpt, an adaptation from his book that caught my eye. Very provocative. It begins this way. As the United States leaves Afghanistan after 20 years of war, there can be little doubt that we lost the war. Or, to put it more gently, did not attain our objectives. In recent weeks, the Taliban have advanced across the north of the country, bereft of U.S. support. The Afghan army and police have reportedly lost more than two dozen districts over the course of a month and are now fighting on the outskirts of key cities such as Kandahar and Mazar al-Sharif. Senior U.S. officials have warned of a civil war while intelligence reports are said to forecast the fall of the Afghan government which the United States has worked to strengthen for two decades within a year. And as for why we, quote-unquote, lost the war or didn't achieve our objectives, I'll just give you one paragraph. He says the following, The Taliban exemplified something that inspired, something that made them powerful in battle, something tied to what it meant to be Afghan. They cast themselves as representatives of Islam and called for resistance to foreign occupation. Together, these two ideas formed a potent mix for ordinary Afghans, who tend to be devout Muslims, but not extremists. 
Aligned with foreign occupiers, the government mustered no similar inspiration. It could not get its supporters, even if they outnumbered the Taliban, to go to the same lengths. Given its association with Americans, the government's claim that Islam was fraught, even while the Taliban was able to co-opt Afghans' religiosity in service of their extremist vision. However wrongly the Taliban could use U.S. occupation to differentiate themselves from the government as truer representatives of Islam. And then another quote, one sentence further along. The point is that it's tougher to risk life for country when fighting alongside what some call occupiers, especially when they do not share your faith. So I had a conversation with Dr. Malkazian yesterday. Didn't take calls, but will do so this hour on the program. Talking about the lessons of Afghanistan, I'll be particularly interested to hear, because I know there are so many in the audience, from those who had boots on the ground in Afghanistan. I wonder what they're thinking. wonder what you're thinking. Are there families of the nearly 2,500 that we lost in Afghanistan? What are they thinking today? I think that's really the sensitive issue, isn't it? It's so painful to say that we lost the war knowing that 2,500 or so Americans never came home from the war. By the way, I don't know that I should concede the point that we lost the war. It's all a function of... What was the objective? What were we seeking to do? And when Dr. Malkazian was here yesterday, that was where I focused my questioning. Was the approach wrong? Should it not have been, not have been a shotgun blast going into the country and trying to instill a government and democracy, but rather a sniper approach? Or, as I heard someone say years ago, a law enforcement approach. You know, the mistake here really was was thinking once again, and I know the president said otherwise yesterday, that the president said uh, that we were not there to nation build. Yes, we were. It's not your fault, President Biden. You're not the one who initiated it. Yeah, we did not go to Afghanistan to nation build. I think we did. And therein was the mistake. Far better to approach it as a law enforcement matter to go find and kill those responsible for September 11 and then come home. Bin Laden was initially hiding in Tora Bora. That's in Afghanistan. We tried. He eluded us. Covered that subject extensively over the last 20 years. Then went to Pakistan. Everybody seemed to know that he was in the tribal areas of Pakistan. It became a big standoff. Uh, President Musharraf didn't want us going into those areas. I remember the whole history of it. But it should have always been in pursuit of those who killed Americans, rather than expanding the circle to the Taliban who were, unlike al-Qaeda, the Taliban were the enablers. And, And another reason why this is top of mind today, when I did my early morning read in and took a look at Reuters, in addition to many other sources that I review before hitting the button on this microphone, the lead story from Reuters. The lead was this. A Taliban delegation in Moscow said on Friday that the group controlled over 85% of territory in Afghanistan and reassured Russia it would not allow the country to be used as a platform to attack others. 
You can focus on one part of that lead or another. You can focus on the part that the Taliban is saying, don't worry, we won't allow it to be a terrorist haven. But the Reuters story says that, and by the way, this was at a press conference. This was at a press conference the Taliban leadership held today in Moscow. Three Taliban officials seeking to signal they don't pose a threat to the wider region, but wanted to serve notice that they now control 85 percent of territory in Afghanistan. So contrary to what the president said yesterday, it would seem like this is a fait accompli. Can I play some of the sound from President Biden yesterday? I'll offer comments. I hope you'll offer comments. We've invested so much blood so much money, so much emotion in this particular subject over the last 20 years hasn't been a focus here recently. In fact, one of the other things that I think is so notable is how this major chapter of modern American history is occurring without any debate. There is almost no debate in Washington as to the wisdom of the drawdown among Democrats and Republicans in Congress. And maybe that's because polling data suggests that a wide swath of Americans, people from both parties, support our getting out. I thought that the president, and I have this, I, I have this uh, sound uh, pulled uh, in addition to other cuts, but the president at some point said, you know, how many more? When he's, when he's questioned or responding to people who might think it's premature, how many more have to die and how long would we have to stay? This is the way the president yesterday in the East Room began his remarks. Good afternoon. Earlier today, I was briefed by our senior military and national security leaders on the status of the drawdown of U.S. forces and allied forces in Afghanistan. When I announced our drawdown in April, I said we would be uh, out by September. And we're on track to meet that target. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our military mission in Afghanistan will conclude on August 31st. The drawdown is proceeding in a secure and orderly way, prioritizing the safety of our troops as they depart. Our military commanders advised me that once I made the decision to end the war, we needed to move swiftly to conduct the main elements of the drawdown. And in this context, speed is safety. Hope that I'm wrong. I'm prepared for it to get ugly before things stabilize. If it does get ugly in Afghanistan, will that necessarily mean that we shouldn't have left? I don't think so. I will not come to that conclusion. If, if there's bloodshed between Taliban and non-Taliban, the Afghan forces and the Taliban, I guess I should say, Uh, And all of a sudden, the images that we're watching on cable outlets and conventional television turn south. Will that mean that it was a mistake? I, for one, will say no, not necessarily. It was inevitable. It's always been that way. It will always be that way. And why should we be in the middle? But for the events of September 11, we wouldn't have been there. More from the president. As I said in April, the United States did what we went to do in Afghanistan to get the terrorists to attack us on 9-11 and deliver justice to Osama bin Laden and to degrade the terrorist threat to keep Afghanistan from becoming a base from which attacks could be continued against the United States. We achieved those objectives. That's why we went. We did not go to Afghanistan to nation-build. And it's the right and the responsibility of Afghan people alone to decide their future and how they want to run their country. I just don't know. 
I mean, I, I, yes, Mr. President, you're right. We went there to find bin Laden and to do justice. But along the way, it did become, as Iraq became, a nation-building exercise. It always seems to become a nation-building exercise. That's what Vietnam sought to do. Why? Because we have had this mistaken belief. I said this to my guest yesterday. If only there were democracy. You know, if only those countries would be like Israel. Israel, the only democracy in the Middle East, if they would be like Israel, then that would solve all of our problems and theirs. Overlooking the fact that sometimes democracy just gives them, whoever they might be, the opportunity to elect people who hate us. Once that agreement with the Taliban had been made, staying with a bare minimum force was no longer possible. So let me ask those who want us to stay, how many more? How many thousands more Americans, daughters and sons are you willing to risk? How long would you have them stay? Already we have members of our military whose parents fought in Afghanistan 20 years ago. Listen to this. Would you send their children? Yeah. And their grandchildren as well? Would you send your own son or daughter? No, absolutely not. I I agree with everything that he just said. When, When on one hand you think of the families grieving the loss of those who died in Afghanistan, and what must they be thinking today? Was it worth it? I mean, we could make the argument, yes, it was worth it. We chased bin Laden into Pakistan. Otherwise, we wouldn't have found him eventually there. So not all was was lost if that was the mission. I just think that the mission morphed into creating a democracy, and in that respect, it's a failure. But if if your eye is toward the 2,500 that we lost, I keep saying that in round numbers. Fact check me on that. I should use the literal number. Uh, But what about the next 2,500 if we stayed? And no doubt there would be at some point. That's the way that it would go. That's the way that it, it always seems to go. How many more? I thought the appropriate question from the president. Now, listen, things uh, as described in the media, don't know if you saw it, got a little testy with the media. Uh, when the president then finished his remarks in the East. I don't know why they have to do the whole shout fest thing. Didn't that, didn't that as, as much as I don't like, because I think it looks overly protective of Joe Biden and then leads to all of the commentary about how he's fumbling and shuffling and so on and so forth. I, I mean, I, I get wanting to have the order that comes from determining in advance who's going to ask the questions. But that's one extreme. That's sort of the docile, too much extreme. Uh, but yesterday was the alternative, which is a bunch of 20-somethings who are just shouting at the president of the United States. Was it louder than it usually is? Because it seemed to me, watching it, it was alarmingly loud. I, I'm not sure whether there was some kind of weird audio in the room or what it was, but whew, that was a I, lot I found it. I found it jarring. And you could tell he didn't like it. it he, he didn't like it, and I don't, I don't blame him. I want to give you a little taste of some of the uh, the, the Q&A. Um, again, keeping in mind that our survey question yesterday was essentially, was it worth it? Was it a failure? I think the first question that I clipped is one where he's asked. There, there was a, a there was a dopey question, I thought, of do you trust the Taliban? Do, did we cut that, too? OK, we'll play it. Is a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. Because you have the Afghan troops have 300,000 well-equipped, as well-equipped as any army in the world, and an Air Force, 
against something like 75,000 Taliban. It is not inevitable. Yeah, I, can, I stop, can I stop that before everybody shouts at the president again? I go back to what Dr. Mulcazian said here yesterday. It, it's not just a number thing. I'll accept the president at face value that there are 300,000 well-equipped Afghan troops. But what was the uh, the line that I read? The point is it's tougher to risk life for country when fighting alongside what some call occupiers, especially when they don't share your faith. There's an intangible. I'll say it this way. There's an intangible that the Taliban have going for them, even when fighting against their own government, just given the short term history since September 11. You trust the Taliban, Mr. President? You trust the Taliban, sir? You, is that a serious question? It's absolutely a serious question. You trust the Taliban? You no, I do not. No, I do not trust the, the Taliban. Is so why are you the U.S. Mr. President, will you amplify that question, please? Will you amplify your answer, please, why you don't trust the Taliban? It's a silly question. Do I trust the Taliban? No. But I trust the capacity of the Afghan military, who is better trained, better equipped, and more more competent in terms of conducting Look, I, I don't think he needs to own this. I really don't think that he needs to own this. Nobody, as much as maybe his political opponents might try and blame bloodshed that follows on him, it is not of his doing. That is not the way that I will write the history of what goes down here. I think he's doing, frankly, what Trump wanted to do and was seeking to do and then wouldn't, in the end, bad metaphor, pull the trigger to get out. Um, Closer now to our survey question yesterday, this uh, final exchange. It's about 90 seconds plus long, but it's worth it. Listen. Thank you, Mr. President. Given the amount of money that has been spent and the number of lives that have been lost, in your view, with making this decision, were the last 20 years worth it? You know my record. I can tell by the way you asked the question. I opposed permanently having American forces in Afghanistan. I argued from the beginning, as you may recall, it came to light after the administration was over, lasted in our administration. No nation has ever unified Afghanistan. No nation. Empires have gone there and not done it. The focus we had, and I strongly supported, and you may remember, I physically went to Afghanistan. I was up in that pass where Osama bin Laden was allegedly escaped or out of harm's way. We went for two reasons. One, to bring Osama bin Laden to the gates of hell, as I said at the time. The second reason was to eliminate al-Qaeda's capacity to deal with more attacks in the United States from that territory. We accomplished both of those objectives, period. That's what I believe from the beginning, why we should be and why we should have gone to Afghanistan. That job had been over for some time. 
And that's why I believe that this is the right decision and, quite frankly, overdue. I agree with that. Uh, too long coming, as a matter of fact. And, and look, how can we justify, after the killing of bin Laden in Pakistan, our continued presence over the scope of many years after that fact still being there? No, it needed to be done. To quote the movie title, uh, there will be blood. That will be a shame. That won't mean that Joe Biden was wrong in getting us finally out of there now. That's my view, and I'm sticking to it. It should have been a more targeted approach from the get-go. It did become, contrary to what the president said, a nation-building exercise. We weren't able to build that nation. We weren't able to build Iraq. We weren't able to build Vietnam. And hopefully this time, third time's a charm, and we will learn our lesson. The Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. <laughs> 